<laughs> oh, good. <laughs> All the madmen. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, and I don't remember if I mentioned this, but yes, we are on all the Mad Men, and uh David Bowie has an interesting uh relationship with mental illness. I've yeah, and I looked into this a little bit because it it part partially relates to his brother Terry. Mm-hmm. His mom like, too was okay. Like, I I I read an interview with him because I because I can read. Uh, oh. I, I read an interview with him where he A was basically you say <laughs> where where he was basically like, and you could almost picture him talking to the interview, being like, "No, like I know people tell you their family is crazy. I'm telling you, they are they they are like actually crazy, like." Like there are names for the illnesses that these people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, of course, you know, I almost hate to bring it up because it's just as somebody who has read these things over and over again, it's like one of the most, it's basically talking about the subject is almost like, you know, hearing someone say, Oh, I love space oddity. I love Bowie. Bowie is space oddity, right? It's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. But, um, so this is a yes, but where it's like, if you know this stuff, it's kind of boring, but it, it, it it's there. It exists. It's, and it's something that he's kind of obsessed with. And I think he pretended to be amused by at least and- earlier in his life. Yeah, and and can't we? I mean, at least when I was was growing up in the '90s, that that kind of came back around. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh no, you need to be you need to be insane about a person. Yeah, yeah. You need to like you need to have an insane love about a person. You need to it. You need to be a little bit out of your mind to really engage with the world because the world doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wrote a lot of uh, short stories and poetry that I'll never share with anyone. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, it looks like, uh, a new, it looks like our, our Patreon treat tier might be opening a up. Hard drive <laughs> that I can't access. Oh, um, can't or won't. <laughs> uh, it, literally that, that computer is still sitting in my parents' house. <laughs> but but yeah like it's that thought that you empathize with people who are who are literally quote that negates the literally um insane uh because there's uh there are people that that have to struggle with these mental issues and when you know that that's in your family like that's that's got to be difficult to deal with yeah Um, i I, don't i don't have that in my family and but you you see you see these these depictions of people in movies and in song and throughout media and you you feel like oh i'm I'm a teen. I'm this is the time when I'm engaging with this because I don't feel like the world really works with me. Yeah. Well, I I I don't have that in my family, but I do have like that adjacent kind of stuff 
you know, not like, not like, like insanity or craziness, but you know, mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and statistically speaking, gen- I'm genetically predisposed to probably get d- dementia at some point. Like, okay. Yep, you know, same. like, yeah. Yep. And so again, I'm not trying to equate it. I'm just trying to like, the way I feel about these things is it's almost like there is a fascination there. I've, I have always been fascinated by Alzheimer's mainly because, you know, I saw several people die of it and I was then, and, and just knowing that it's there, knowing that it is something that it, it, it could be waiting for you. Um, there's sort of a thing where it's like, yeah, I'm terrified, but I'm also like, I make jokes about it all the time. Not, in a way that's very sincere where it's like, I'll be like, yep, I'm doing that to fight off the dementia, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and I can't imagine what it would be like to be, to think, Oh, I, I could actually be a schizophrenic and just not know yet. All right. There's going to be a lot of dog barking. Apparently my wife has arrived at the house. All right. Uh, those of you listening, if you would like to make your dog bark as well, <laughs> that, join our Patreon. <laughs> that could be the audience. We don't know what we, we don't know what it is, but <laughs> we should call. Oh God, we should call it Bowie Net. <laughs> oh no! Because that was his that was his subscribe his subscription site. How was? Oh no, she's la- uh, laughing. She's sneezing. That's a different thing from, than laughing. And she has her flashlight on. But is she a detective? <laughs> <laughs> she's a detective, and she has just detected that I am on a hit podcast. Hell yeah! Oh, um, oh yeah! So, all right, all the madmen. I have just a couple thoughts of my own, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about the song itself, with or without the sprinkling of background. Um, okay, so we already talked about the liberty. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got some notes in this that remind me of Roxy Music, as we talked about the last episode with his collaborations with other huh. artists. Yeah, I, some... I, I want to hear more about that because I, because I, I, I came to I came to the Roxy music through Bowie, so right. I would I probably it's, wouldn't have caught it. It's some of the the spoken early on in the song where he oh, speaks yes, behind yes. the singing, the, mirroring the same thing that he is singing. That feels very Roxy to me. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um. um but yeah, I mean, he's uh it, it's it's got it starts out with the 12 string and those recorders. <laughs> yes. I love my I love my recorders. I I and I think the line that that continues to stick with me through well there's a couple uh through several listenings of this is uh, it take me to the far side of town, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and turn turn my face away to the far side of town, and tell me that it's real, and ask me how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's interesting. 
Um, then of course that leads to a complete uh, freak out moment. But um, for some reason that, that, that evokes some pretty, the song for a lot of, in a lot of ways feels playful, but then has these moments that are like absolutely brutal. They're so dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love at the end, the, uh, Shane, 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 whatever, Zane, 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 over all the Shane, um, where it feels open the dog, open the dog indeed, uh, where it feels almost triumphant. Yeah. Because he has chosen to stay in this facility because he'd rather not interact with the world. Right. Um, I would also like to, in the uh, in the realm of uh, providing some information about mental health, mm-hmm. um, electroconvulsive therapy that he mentions also in mm-hmm. like, basically the same sentence as the Librium. It solves so many problems. Um, electric convulsive <laughs> therapy. No, it, it, it's not as scary as you would believe from one flew over the, uh, cuckoo's nest. Hmm. It's, it's not, it's not a brutal, like wiping of somebody's mind. Um, it's still used in, in rare cases that said that, uh, in 2001, uh, it was estimated that more than 1 million people got treated with ECT. Wow. Yeah. It's so it's, it's something that, uh, so this is coming from somebody who has a degree in psychology and, um, and pharmacology. Uh, This is something that I was very interested in when I was going through my undergraduate degree. Uh, Essentially you're blasting the brain with electricity, but the the bilateral uh, the bilateral uh, ECT that you see in the movies is basically putting two nodes on either side of your temples, mm-hmm. and it shoots some electricity through you, and your skull absorbs most of this electricity, and a small amount gets through, and essentially rewires the neurons in your brain temporarily and what's interesting about a lot of cases of severe depression severe mania um, on either side is that most medications take too long to make a difference oh interesting and when you do something like this um, you disrupt the brain chemistry enough that that patients can kind of come along in a more quote normal way and uh, and interact in a you know not in a not suicidal way in a not completely disruptive fashion um, the same thing happens there is a I did a lot of research in my undergraduate days about um, sleep deprivation mm-hmm. where this also disrupts the brain chemistry enough to say ah something's wrong and it it completely flips the way your brain thinks 
and it allows you to reassemble in a more cohesive way and it allows the medications that are pretty well established that uh, take some time to set in it allows them time to sink in and hmm. so and, is it, is it like is it like juicing the medication a little bit or is it in lieu of medication it's it, you need to have the medication to take up the back end because this is a temporary thing for both sleep depri- deprivation and uh, electroconvulsive therapy. You need to have something to take up the back end, but these things take a long time to really set into a, a patient's brain and really establish a different standard. So these things literally shock you into, oh, huh. oh wait, something's different. So for severely depressed patients who are ready to end it all, um, starting on starting on medications can often uh, trigger events where they end up end okay. up ending their own lives because right. they suddenly have energy, but right. they still have the the ennui. They still have the the depression. But now they have energy, and they're going. Okay, great, we can end it. You need to, you need to cut that. You need to cut that shit out, right? Because sometimes it can become like a confidence pill right. on the way on the way to getting to fixing it. So it, right. it sounds like it's almost like, okay, here's this thing that is not the best thing we could possibly do. But if we're looking at possible, you know, end of life versus this thing that is not mm-hmm. exactly the best thing to do to your brain, we're going to take the, 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 that option. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like we need to have something to get into the middle of this therapy. And right. in some cases you've got to shock somebody's brain a few times. And right. so it's it, not like, it's not like I go to my therapist and I'm upset because, you know, I didn't get that promotion. Then, okay, well let's zap you. It's more like, Right. This is this is it's very very severe. very serious. Like yeah, okay. yeah. It's refractory. It's it's schizophrenia that that hasn't responded to anything. It's mania, depression that have yeah. not responded to anything. You put somebody into an asylum these days, and the point is, we've got to do something serious. It's not just let's lock up all the people who are weird. Mm-hmm. So just 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 to clarify, for, because I know sometimes people on the internet will, you know, hear things the way exactly the way they want to hear them. Um, so it's basically like, it's not, hey, you're schizophrenic, let's zap your brain. It's mm-hmm. you're you're very your your schizophrenia is is clearly a danger to yourself and or others. Yeah. No other treatment is working. Right. Let's put you in the zap zap machine. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And yeah, there's not a lot of data around this because it it's still a nobody really understands exactly how this works. Which is amazing. I, I mean we we can we can look at a lot of like Librium I was mentioning at the the beginning of the episode 
we can target these specific receptors that respond to this medication. Mm-hmm. Zapping somebody's brain is weird. Yeah. And brain we don't is, get Brain it. stuff is weird in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, brain stuff is weird in general, and uh, putting electricity into it, into a thing that is half electricity, it doesn't make sense, and we don't understand it, so we don't have great research on it. But it, it does seem to work for a lot of people, and it's very rarely fatal. Like, well, and- two people out of 100,000 people don't work with this. Hmm. Yeah. And to bring it back to the Bowie stuff, I, I'm hearing that and we're talking about it and I'm thinking this is a person who has a history of maybe not severe or maybe not at all mental illness in their own mm-hmm. lives but uh, or in their own brain. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that he's not using this reference lightly because he knows what it means to use this reference. Well, yeah, and he's got family that have struggled through these things. He, his brother is in an institution at this time. Yeah. Well, and his brother, uh, I, from what I understand, was in the case where it's just like the family would take him out every once in a while or the institution would take him out every once in a while. And he's just like, I'm fucking me- put me back in. <laughs> like and that's the song yeah. is I don't I don't want to be in the world. I'm I'm fine where I am. Right. Well, wow, two songs in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these are going to go these are probably going to go faster. Oh, um, so Black Country Rock is here. It's here to stay. It's here to rock your junk. Oh uh, man. Yes. <laughs> Trex friend, uh, Trex friend, Mark Bullen. Yeah. I say Trex if you have seen the uh, Kevin Spacey movie. What? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Have, that you, one. Have, have you seen, well, no, it's, a, it's a, it's an Edgar Wright movie, uh, Baby Driver. Oh, yeah. About the baby that drove cars. Yes. Love um, that movie. Love everything Edgar Wright has ever done. And, um, Yes, uh, in the movie, the main character goes, "Oh, Trex," and she's like, "No, T Rex. It's oh. T Rex." <laughs> nice. It's, yeah, that, so, that's why I say this. Yeah. Yes. So this song, in case you didn't know, all you beginner listeners out there, uh, was written for David Bowie's friend Mark Bowen. We talked about him a little bit last episode. Uh, that's kind of it. This is this is uh, at least as far as I can tell. It sounds like an improv song that they went. Oh yeah, I really like this. Um, can we put some lyrics to it? And Bowie's like, "Yep, (laughs) (laughs) that I can do." Let me wake up for a little bit and do it, and go back to sleep. (laughs) Someone give me an iPad. I'll write on it. (laughs) (laughs) David Bowie was an iPad kid. Um. Yeah, Eric, you were mentioning that you you very much caught on that it was <laughs> a Mark Bolin thing. This one in particular, yeah, the way because yeah. Mark Bolin has this like, ah! yeah. yeah, he's got this tremolo <laughs> to everything that he does that is very clearly in Black Country Rock. Yes, and as I met, I mentioned in the last episode, like I don't know a ton about T Rex, but the songs that I do know. I mean, 
it's it's clear like it's, it's this tremolo not is like it thing <laughs> it's so pop and yeah. it, oh and listening to a few albums like literally today i love this band <laughs> I, yeah i i have another band that i love because it's something that it, it it's it yeah he's it's hard rock but he's got such a great style with his high voice it's so glam it's yeah yeah mark bullen is an inspiration i i i think i years ago when i tried to explain uh t-rex to somebody i was like okay imagine if you have this band that's just this big it's the whole sound is just big dumb clunky rock like like it's like it's just like it's pounding on it's like it's like it just doesn't even know its own weight or maybe it does (laughs) and it doesn't give a shit and then in front of it you have this person going like what if this was like unreasonably sexy (laughs) (laughs) i love the picture you have where bullen is wearing like he's playing a tambourine on his guitar and he's yeah. wearing like a pantsuit. It's like he's just he's in on the joke 100%. He's and it, but it's not even a joke. It's it's again it's that it's that that line between like I know that on paper this is absolutely ridiculous, but I'm going to fucking sell it. <laughs> right. Oh, and it works so well. It's it it's wonderful. Works. I uh, yeah I'm I am now uh, a T Rex fan. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't before with like Bang a Gong and like the major the major hits like uh, oh oh yeah I'm in. <laughs> but he sang a ten minute song about a wizard in the woods. <laughs> I haven't yep. heard that one. I haven't heard that one. I need to. It was, was their first album. <laughs> So we're finishing up. We're, we're making. We're we're kind of making good time now. We we're finishing up the, sure, the, sure the first side. The first side of the uh, album with after oh. all, our our friend is back. <laughs> no. Um. Uh. Oh, by Jingo. Oh uh, yeah. It it's a it's a it, an archaic way of saying Jesus. Um. <laughs> 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 Because apparently you 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 couldn't just exclaim it, it's it's blasphemy, um, as I know. Um, it's also very sinister the way they do it. The the, yes. the layering of the 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 harmony on this is so creepy, <laughs> and the the waltz three four mm-hmm. style on this this track just creeps me the hell out, and I love it. I love it. I love this the song shift, is great. The shifting de- delivery too of like, um, this is very like it's it's dark, but then like at some point he's just like, eh, whatever. I don't really give a shit. Right. <laughs> it's going from black country rock yeah. to oh by Jingo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like it's so dark. And such and a very very heavy heavy presence of a Moog there, which is nice oh yeah and, as a for sure Mellotron. Um, I love it. Yeah, and it's just a such a farty Moog sound. <laughs> so great. Um, 
It's and it's not it, it's not the same sort of carnival that you get from the Beatles. No, when, no, when no, no, no. I was like, <laughs> oh, boodly boo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's oh, no boodly to this boo. Yeah. It's just straight up. Boo. No, it's it's <laughs> dark. It's so dark, and it's oh, yeah, and it and it's the it's the it's the kind of darkness that I love that Bowie was able to do, where it's I. I'm identifying an actual feeling, an actual concern that I might not feel to the extent that I'm putting forth in this performance, but I'm letting all of that dread inform this performance. And it's, so it's not like, it's not like a, it's not like, I guess it's like the difference. It's, it's like the difference between a disturbing horror movie and a scary horror movie. You know, like this, uh, yeah. this is the disturbing one where you're like, this is the one that oh. lingers. <laughs> it's, it's hereditary where you go, I, I don't, I don't want to watch anything scary for a few years. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen hereditary? Oh, no. I know I shouldn't. Oh, <laughs> you should not. It, yeah. it, yeah, it, it broke me for a while. So I don't know if you know this uh, about me, but I I cannot watch horror at at some level. I can watch it, it's really it's really tricky. Like I've kind of figured out my own tolerance. It's like it's like okay. you know, it's like if if you have uh like it's almost like if if you're somebody who like can eat a lot of spicy foods, but then like you know if you push it too far and you kind of know where that line is then the uh-huh. ass dragon will visit you and you're like i don't want to be visited by the mm-hmm. ass dragon because that's unpleasant um so i've kind of just learned where that line is with like horror stuff okay i, I can read anything like i can absolutely any synopsis and it oh, doesn't matter I, how I, I, awful i've been it thrown is. off by written things too but oh yeah okay. No written things, uh, it, I'm I'm able to go there with it, but when it becomes visual, and especially visual mm. in a way that is like stylistic or like artistic choices are made, where it's like it's made to actually have that visceral thing, I fall for it hook, line, and sinker, and I'm done. I can't. It ruins me for days. Okay. Um. So I have actually. I I know everything that happens in that movie (laughs) and and i'm very fascinated by the story i think it's super interesting and in theory it's a movie that i would love to watch but i will never watch that movie no no (laughs) i i get it if you're in that mindset i agree don't ever watch that movie (laughs) you had an image of of uh midsummer in our last episode yeah, yeah. and i will not watch that movie because uh hereditary ruins me you know it's a breakup movie right <laughs> but I, oh gosh but I, I i love watching like stupid slashers and zombie movies and all that yeah. sort of thing like uh, oh yeah i'll eat that up but when it really hurts my brain no i'm out mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. out and uh yeah in in this song, I'm glad that you put in the notes that it it goes to Aleister Crowley. Um, Do what thou wilt. Uh, the song gets to there, and it seems like uh, yeah, Bowie is in a, an interesting place in this song. You know, and again, I want to make it clear: nothing, nothing goes wrong. <laughs> no, his life is great. 
you know, when you, when you take, you know, uh, when you're, you're influenced by all these things and you have this fascination slash fear of schizophrenia and you have this manager in your life and uh, you are suddenly jettisoned into success and you don't really know how to deal with that. And then you also just pour so much weed and so much cocaine on top oh of that. Oh my. Nothing oh, can yeah. possibly go wrong. Yeah, go go both ways. <laughs> yeah. Why not? No, eventually he goes pretty exclusively in one way. So uh, oh, <laughs> I, I watched that video. Yes. Um but yeah, the harmonies are great. It's still a creepy song. It it you're right. It, it it's saying I don't care about this shit anymore. Yeah, I want to do something different. I'm I I don't care that uh, we we had this ideal because you didn't deliver on the ideal. Right, you're a bunch of poor people who didn't do anything useful. Yeah, or even possibly worse, you're a bunch of rich people who just wanted to be a part of the aesthetic. Oh, that yeah, also that. Which uh, <laughs> both yeah. sides pissed him off. Yeah, absolutely. But I what I think. I find like a tiny well in this song is when he sings after every time he sings after all it, you can, there's a sense of like, I really do mean this. I mean, I, the stuff that I do care about, I, I care about, but if you're going to shit on it, fine, go ahead. I don't, I don't care, Yeah, but I still care the way he sings that to, to me, the way he sings that just, he always puts, that full like almost like sense of beauty into that moment and and this is what i'm learning about bowie is he might play a song that fits in with the time but if you really dig into it it's more than that Mm -hmm. it's not not just no no offense to blood sweat and tears i i I I love blood, sweat, and tears, but like they're just leaning into a weird jazz and pop mix at the time mm-hmm. that works well for them, and it hit with a lot of people, uh, particularly as I recall from my my friend whose dad was a, a Vietnam veteran. Like, and when I die was a major anthem for them. And I love that song. And, and there's so much of this that's kind of a like, okay, it's just, it's just a blues song. It's just mm-hmm. a jazz, jazzy rock pop song. And listening back to it, I still love those songs. I man, I that was that was my introduction to this era from my dad. But. Like there's not that much thought into the yeah. It's just a it, so many of them are just like, hey, uh, things might be bad, or hey, I'm in love with a girl, she doesn't love me. It's just a different take on the normal rock and roll. Well, and ironically, this is uh, Bowie's an artist who almost almost from album at some point from album to album, but um. I, I'm sure you have you know this about him that he he is 
really known for switching styles, changing it up, and mm-hmm. sometimes make going from one extreme to another extreme. But I think you will notice going forward that he's still ta- he's still pulling his same bag of themes and ideas with him the whole time. Like there's there's always this kind of underlying theme of identity and not not even of like who I am, but just that having identity and understanding what identity is and how mm-hmm. it works is important. And um, being an outsider, but not as an aesthetic, sort of just to like a yeah, I'm. This is weird. Sometimes things are just weird. Right. Um, and a very strong sense that this will come later after a few things of like social justice and understanding of you know just kind of where people are at and and. All that other stuff is just sort of the stuff that he found interesting at the time. Mm-hmm. At the heart of it is still always this idea of, I mean, it, it almost is encapsulated in under pressure where it's just like, yeah, life is hard. It sucks sometimes. And all at the end of the day, all we have is each other. And, um, you know, there and are a lot, of, a lot of different ways to express that. There's a lot of different roads you can go down. But, yeah. And it, it, it almost is like he never, it's like, yeah, he rejected the, the hippie movement, but he never really stopped believing in the ideals, like the actual ideals. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, hey, we all, it's, it's hands across America. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's. You know what? If we really did this, what, 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 what a world it would be. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I mean, I haven't really thought about this before, but I think having this conversation, I think it's almost like at some point, maybe around this time, this period of time, he understood that if you present that ideal or those ideals in an openly like peace and love sort of way, it's going to get co-opted by people who don't really connect to that at all. It's just like, Oh yeah. They don't get it, but they understand that there's a way to sell water bottles through it. But if you present them with like, look at the ugliness, look at this. Like it's, it's like, it's like an existential, it's like not existentialist expressionist painting. It's like, look at how brutal this is. And then once you can spend some time with it, you can kind of recognize that, Oh, this comes from somebody recognizing something about the world. And not just the brutal ugliness, which exists. It's saying that like, Right. Okay, this exists. So maybe let's just kind of be nice to each other. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> something beautiful at the core of all of this, and right. we should we should really try to engage with that. <laughs> I mean, try. I think I is the mean, operative word give there. A shot. I don't know. Speaking of running uh, on blues. Oh no! <laughs> oh, this image is horrible. <laughs> Oh no! So, again, it's definitely a commentary on the Vietnam War. I oh I, yes. I uh, what what's the working title? I don't I, Cyclops. Our, Cyclops. Oh fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> Running Gun Blues is definitely a song about somebody who came back scarred and then continued killing people. Yeah, complete with sound effects at the end. No, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> My um my uh I I'm starting to learn how to use uh AI to like <laughs> to <laughs> condense notes for me and to like I'm 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 trying to figure out a way to use it ethically as like a dishwasher almost. Um anticipating it, the singularity where they will recognize you as an ally. Yes, exactly. And it did not like what I put into this. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. It's I mean there's not a lot to say about this other no, than it's it's I mean talk about visceral experience. Um it <laughs> so okay, how about that? Instead of getting into an analysis place, I I want <laughs> curious I so take me back to the first time you listened to this song. <laughs> oh, you mean like a week ago? Yeah. And, and <laughs> uh no, this was definitely a an anthem for the disaffected Vietnam fighters who returned home. And I my goodness, it, the the lion they left me with my rifle, so why wouldn't I? Yeah. Basically yeah. keep keep at the war um and, and it, what i keep coming back to you on this track and then again in this re-listen it really hit me that like yeah there's a way i think when i initially listened to this when i was like in my mid to early 20s it was like haha it's funny it's it's, it's ironic and it's satire which I mean, that's there, and they they certainly present it in a way where you could engage mm-hmm. with it in that way. But I mean, honestly, what an empathetic piece of work in a way that is empathetic towards a a character which is not normally shown empathy. Right. Yeah. It's it. For somebody who whose country wasn't directly involved with things, like he yeah. understood the the tide at the time and found a way to say, uh, "Okay, yeah, we're training a bunch of like teenagers to go and shoot people for no reason, and then then they're going to come back, and what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. What if we left them with their rifle?" What if we gave them a sense of purpose and then yanked that sense of purpose away? Right. Because they realized, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Oh, shooting these people that we don't understand in a country that we shouldn't be in? Yeah. Mm. And many of them didn't even know why we were there. Right. Yeah. No. Nobody nobody knew why we were there. (laughs) Yeah. No. Nixon is like, (laughs) war. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that I didn't even intend this. This this goes back to that idea of finding almost the the flip side of the hip, the dirty hippie bullshit, where it's like, yeah, they, this could be a song about you know, you know, think about what we're doing to these people, and 
peace and love and all, you know, it's all we are saying is don't do, you know, all that bullshit. But this is, this is him actually saying like, we're making this person. <laughs> this is, right. this is what it, this is what we're doing. This yeah, is, these, this is the problem. These people will happen. Yes. Um, and that said, uh, there's a lot of solid guitar and bass going on. Um, yeah. 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 It's uh the middle the middle of this album is a lot of sort of like oh f- good idea fun stuff or or fun in quotes but you know not a whole lot more to talk about not to yeah. not to say that it's it's a great song i but i mean it, it is what it is right ah uh, yeah oh, save, save your, your machine, machine. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't apply to the modern no. world no, no, no. At it's, all. It's been a while since I've cut up the uh, audio with something other than our voice. So I'm going to have this is a <laughs> oh, clip no. of David Bowie predicting the impact of the Internet in 1999. Oh, no. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I it, have not. But oh, you're, you're going to love bet it. It's, it's surprisingly relevant. It sure is. <laughs> I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg. I think the potential of what the internet is going to do to society, both good and bad, is unimaginable. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. It's just a tool, though, isn't it? No, it's not. No. No, it's an alien life form. What do you think, I mean, when you think then about... Is there life on Mars? (laughs) Yes, it's just landed here. But that's, yeah. it's simply a different delivery system there. You're arguing about something more profound. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about the, the, the actual context and the state of content is going to be so different to anything that we can really envisage at the moment, where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so in simpatico. It's going to, it's going to crush our ideas of what mediums are all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yep. <laughs> uh Epcot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um I don't know. I don't it's 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 uh Eric. It's is- got a cool guitar <laughs> and synth jam going on. Uh-huh. And uh David Bowie made a song about taking AI uh, about AI taking over the world in 1970. Yep, he made a song that, about today. <laughs> but that jam is solid and um the AI is telling us th- these are my notes. The AI, the AI is telling us at the time in the song, these are the lyrics. It's telling us I'm bad. Don't do this. Yep. Yep. So uh yeah, the singularity is telling us please don't don't do it. Yep. Those are and, my notes. Yeah, and that's kinda I mean <laughs> I, I I so it's like what do you do when you are talking when you're looking at AI and you're trying to ch- you're trying to train AI with stuff that already exists and all the information that exists, and eventually AI is gonna find all the things that we have said about what AI will be. And oh I can be more. Well or or or, or like oh so AI equals death of humans, right? I mean look at what you showed me. That everything you showed me goes in this direction. So it's almost it's like oops. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. Great notes though, Dan. We'll put that on the, 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 the web blog. You should you should share this stuff with me so that I can put it on the All right, I will. The thing. Here oh. we go. We should <laughs> She shook me cold. Sure uh, this is uh, oh, we're recorded under the title <laughs> Suck. I like that. Um it, it sure does seem like a song about fucking. <laughs> it really is. It's it's really all all there is there. <laughs> with, but with, I'm sure that that's all all that it is uh, it, in itself. But it's this and, song. This song seems like like a virgin, but with Bowie and a dude. <laughs> I I. I don't know how to put this. It, 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 it something that I found initially really fascinating about this song, first time listening through, was here is everything else on the album is dealing with like, you know, on some level mental illness, and okay. then yeah. it sounds like in that context, it sounds like a mentally ill person writing a letter to his mother about the most, just with all these details. <laughs> but, and, and she's looking at it going, I no, no, thank you. It's okay. And I, and no, I think, thank you. And I think that the, the, the keys that unlocks that in my brain is that I've watched the jerk so many times and he's, he, he, he <laughs> writes jerk. home, he writes home about his, his special purpose and how he's found it. Right. And, and <laughs> it's just those two things in my i i'm not saying it's intentional at all i if it is fantastic but i don't think it is but those two things in my brain have have always interlocked together and it it sounds to me like the most inappropriate hilariously inappropriate oversharing <laughs> yeah of, yeah pretty much a mental a mental patient and Th- his, this his is the mother. one that makes me think of like Helter Skelter, where it's like we're gonna do a we're gonna do a weird distortion song. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it the notes that I found it basically is kind of that. It's just, <laughs> well, the band really likes this kind of music. Why don't we do this kind of music? And by the way, I'll make it really gross. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, the lady who lives next door. Here are the things that I did to her. (laughs) Yeah, I will be back again. (laughs) Bad. All right. Who sold the world? Here we are. We're here. Also not great. (laughs) But it's got a great little guitar riff with it. Oh, my goodness. And the thing that isn't a rocking chair that sounds like a rocking chair. Uh, okay. Here, I you got a lot, of, a lot more notes on here than I do. It's all just trivia, really. Um, it, this, what, this is it, the one where I say that Roxy influenced. Oh, because there's spoken word behind oh. the singing, and that yeah. feels very Roxy. Okay, I can, I can, I can hear that a little bit. Okay. Um. So when you have you always known that this is a David Bowie song, or did you at some point think it was a Nirvana song? 
No, no, I never, because I was a stunted youth who listened to like jazz in the nineties. Oh, so a nerd. Uh, I was a nerd <laughs> who deliberately ignored Nirvana until I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, Nirvana Unplugged is actually really good. Um, many years later. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, the, I was into jazz. Yeah. And I was into big band. Mm. And, I uh, I was into the seventies. I was into I I was into prog rock. I was into uh, Jethro Tull and Yes, and all all of these things were my high school, which was deliberately I don't want to listen to the things, which is weirdly exactly what Nirvana wanted was don't listen to the things. Yeah, yeah, and then um, just everyone decided to make music like them. Um, right, right. So. Yeah, I I never really had a way to engage with Nir- Nirvana on on this until recently because yeah, it's like eh, eh, whatever. I don't care what they're doing until I realized like oh, they didn't care what they were doing either. Great, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I I actually I can relate to a lot of that up to a point because I was definitely um, again, I was a synth guy. I was really into synthy music and up until we get to Nirvana, uh, it looked like we were going into a Depeche Mode direction. And I was like, yes, here we go. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, I show up to school one day and everyone is dressed in flannel and I'm just like, Oh, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah and and it was just it was like i still i i honestly i think i am still holding a grudge against <laughs> kurt Cobain for because i was so i was so it, it, it's 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 like it's like if someone said and and eric you'll understand this reference because i've made it so many times it's like if someone said, we are going to turn Tomorrowland at Disneyland into a reimagining of the movie Kroll. And, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I just, that needs that's that is always needed to happen. That's what I want. It is so it's so ridiculous and so fun. There's so much that can be done there. And then all of a sudden they're like, nah, just going to do more Star Wars stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How about what sells yeah how about just nothing but you know the aliens from toy story let's Uh, not influence anything let's just yeah latch on to everything right so you know we're we're in this place where like sampling was starting to happen and a lot of a lot a lot of electronic music was starting to happen and it's like oh here we go here we go here we go and all of a sudden just, just guitars it's like fuck so um I completely disengaged from anything involving anything that was being released in this country. <laughs> like I'm going to go straight to, I'm going to go hang out with David Sylvian and Rachel Sakamoto until this shit is over. Nice. Um, and I, 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 this is impressive. I, like, I know I enjoyed Nirvana's MTV unplugged album. Because I went, oh, 
it, it like I felt like I was one of the the critics who were like, oh, they can actually play a guitar. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't remember the man who sold the world, although I vaguely maybe remember it. Like I I've known this song for longer, I think, than I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. So that had to be it when I was in. All right, let's sound douchey. When I was in uh, Germany <laughs> uh, on an exchange trip for for a few months um, in the 90s, I remember listening to Nirvana's Unplugged session. I'm going, oh, I kind of like these guys. Yeah. I kind of hated them before. I mostly listened to, uh, you know, the, the kind of jazz that... Uh, that has nothing to do with this because these these you know wasteoids don't don't care about anything but, but yeah i must have heard it around then probably before bowie yeah um i remember i was working at chuck e cheese and oh. i had yet to for the first time and i had yet to um really get into bowie like like I said, I've been a fan in the sense that like it was always around. My sister listened to it, but I didn't become like a like I'm going to consume everyone. Everything this person's done type fan until around 95 ish. Um, and I remember someone telling me that that was a David Bowie song. And I was like, what? <laughs> like did you I, have a reference for david bowie i did i did because okay. i mean i because I, I had I, like suffragette city and that no i thing. had all that stuff and i you know like i i definitely i knew the singles i knew uh the let's dance era i like i knew that there were eras but i didn't this song didn't fit into any era that like made sense to me and and around at also around the same time that this happened to me, I think uh, outside came out. Anyway, there, it was this, like this collision of things where it was like, it wasn't like that this was, this realization was what made me really delve into Bowie. It was more like this realization plus this other thing and this album that he released really like it just everything is like the, the 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 scene towards the third act of a movie where you see all the things come together and like all the flashbacks it was like it was him the whole time um Yay. and 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 um i i think the reason i, I the reason i'm getting is this is i i think tell me if i'm wrong but i think that this song as a song it's a, a good song very well done yeah it's it it is a wonderful title track it's a it's a great name bearer for the album it does all the things that an album a song in that place in the album should do it's a really good sort of like thesis statement um but or and rather um that's kind of what makes it that that's kind of the end of it like it talks about identity that stuff it's it's not it it it's a great song don't get me wrong it's, yeah listen, oh no no very enjoyable song it works down yeah. i I, <laughs> I wrote very little other than like it it feels like roxy at, at a few points and uh i i like the you know walk-ups 
I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is it's almost like when you hear about the relationship with Hermione and then uh-huh. you hear a letter to Hermione, you're like, yep, that that's that works. That makes sense. And Does this song say that he regrets it? What? What? <laughs> Does this song say that he regrets the relationship he's talking about in this song? Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know what you're getting getting at. I'm not sure either. <laughs> okay, but I, I guess it, this is this is new to me. Like this song, yeah. I know I've heard it, but does it mean that he re- he met a guy that and then he regrets that relationship? I think that this is entirely. Um, I think that if I think this song is supposed to be taken very literally, it's a it is a almost like a dream where he meets himself. Okay. Um, it, which again is sort of why I think it works so well as that like crown jewel of this album. Not to say it's the, I think the strongest like standalone piece, the strongest standalone track is definitely width of a circle for me, but this as like, the centerpiece of the album pop content yeah yeah is i mean i can't think of a better track but in saying that i don't know what i don't know what else i can say about it now that we've talked about most of the album you know um so i guess the only reason i'm bringing up nirvana so much is because i really do think that um his resurgence in popularity and in being cool again um came largely because of that and uh i i think that a lot of people because at the time he was like he was still recovering from two absolute dog shit albums that we will listen to um (laughs) (laughs) and and because you know he gets he gets some he gets a lot of success with let's dance the album and has a big tour and it's i mean we'll get to the history of that when we get there but then it's like okay how do i follow that up let me try to you know can it, this mountain this wave of money is coming in i know it's probably limited so let me continue to cash in but this was around the time where continuing to cash in was becoming increasingly not fashionable um he was for a for a period of time not cool at all. Um, and I think that this, tr- this not that this, this single-handedly did it, but it was a very important part of people recognizing that like, oh, if we look at the Bowie from like 10 years ago, uh-huh. kind of pathetic loser dancing around with puppets. But if we look at the Bowie from 20 years ago, holy shit, that guy was amazing. And guess what? He's right here. Let's do a concert with them. I don't know. So you like the talk? You like the song? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I like the song. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, the Superman. Yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts that I, I that I might have stepped on? Uh, or? No, no. You hit a lot of these things. I hadn't thought about the Nirvana portion because. 
I remember hearing that song. And it's unfortunate because as you put in your notes here, a lot of people associate this with a Nirvana song, mm-hmm. not a Bowie song. And by the way, I think he probably loves that. Or he, you know, I think he probably loved that. Um, I could see him very, very much enjoying that people and possibly never. Yeah. Them. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a great song. It's so great. I, I, I like the way it's put together and uh, yeah, it can apply to a lot of different bands. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's really solid uh, songwriting. Yeah. And Hey, the Superman, <laughs> I, 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 I have a feeling you're going to have a lot more to say about this than I do, because to me, it's just like, it's a song album should have ended. I guess here's something left over, but it's creepy. (laughs) I, I love the timpani, like boom, baba, dum, baba, dum, boom, baba, dum, baba, dum. Like I, I love that mixed with the bass. And then the vocals make me feel gross. <laughs> I, this, like is, the, this is for Jareth's girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 like yeah. It, I feel like I'm watching a, I feel like I'm watching like the Wicker Man. Like, <laughs> I, I can get that. Yeah, it, it does. It Oh, it's so creepy as hell. Um, there's a ritual that's about to begin as he's like, fire out. <laughs> also, we a- sacrifice the children. <laughs> he's aggressively British in this one. <laughs> right? This, the way he sings in this is so weird. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I mean, the super God cries versus the super God dies at the very end. <laughs> the super God Dies. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. But but this is there's a great jam in the middle of this, and yes. I I love a good jam. Well, they're just having fun. They started out saying we're gonna we're gonna play this, and I don't know if it started. This is the way that most of the songs on this album go. I don't know if it started with the jam or if it started with. Bowie saying, I want to do this. I would like, imagine knowing what I know about his recording process and his creative process in general. I wouldn't be surprised if each one of these songs was recorded in three three takes or less. <laughs> it ha- the, the whole album has that feel. Yeah. And those are th- that's part of my final notes about this. The whole thing feels like they were just jamming. They they have the studio for these many days and it, and they go all right. What are we gonna do today? How about this? Boom, 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 All right, yeah. And they like, it, yeah. It's it's totally jammy. They're playing cool shit. And I don't know if if Bowie said, "I have lyrics for that." <laughs> or if he went, I'll write some lyrics for that. <laughs> I think I think it's it's probably a mixture of the two. I suspect, and this is just from a hunch, I suspect <laughs> something like 
the Superman. She shook me cold. Uh, maybe running gun blues. Black country rock for sure. Most likely black, black country, country rock. rock. I guarantee they're like we just played some stuff, and he went, "Yeah, black country rock." Yeah, oh, I, I, I could do a song around that because he's he was really good at just coming up with something on the fly. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, I think that there's definitely songs where it's like, no, I have this idea, and we're gonna. This is what it needs to be. And of course, you know, you guys, you have you have free reign. Uh, his his pianist who will will talk will get into him <laughs> pianist <laughs> uh we'll get into this guy in a couple albums mike garson he um he would he talked about how bowie would work and his he said basically he would say just get me in on the right key make sure the chords are what they should be for like the first verse and the and the chorus and then just do whatever you want to do <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. This is very 70s and it 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 plays like you could hear that, but it also works. Yeah. On this album. It it works so well. I I really, really like this album. Nice. And I, I think also this when I say that it's like, okay, the album should have ended with Man Who Sold the World, and then this is the leftovers. I think that that is also not in a critical way i think that is actually what this song is it's almost like bowie going like well i could do some nietzsche but make it like really fucking <laughs> weird like <laughs> like just, i've been reading just, this nietzsche guy what if and... i just really took a shit on some of my own ideas here <laughs> like oh uh, for sure yeah for sure this is nietzsche it's but... almost like it's almost like him going like yeah i'm that guy i'm, I'm gonna own it fuck it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it it involves this like mythology of ancient Britain, <laughs> and there were these beings that were that that monopolized the land, and yeah, it sets up this whole weird thing, and it yeah, it it, it works with whatever else is going on at the time. Like Led Zeppelin is doing songs based on Tolkien, yeah, at this time. Well, this is, it, this is almost like the, it's like almost anti-free cloud. E- even in the instrumentation and the seriousness of it, it's like uh, Wild Eye Boy from Free Cloud is like so manicured and so like pastoral and all right, this. Right. And it's about this this well-meaning wild-eyed boy from Free Cloud who like just wants to give everyone peace and love. Just, I just want to help the planet. Yeah, and then and then now you have this sloppy, but artfully sloppy, like right. just punching you in the face repeatedly. Giants then- used to rule the land. <laughs> yes. And then these douchebags. They will eat you. <laughs> Why? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So that's the Superman. Um <laughs> do we need to get any of this? Uh, uh let's see. The uh, album did a lot better in America than in the UK. Oh because, uh, because of the Superman, obviously. hundred percent. Um I guess the main thing to get from this wrapping up slide is that this 
leads to his first visit to America because it did, you know, so well. And that leads to so many things. Um, he Ooh. gets to meet Mr. Andy Warhol. Um, here's a fun oh, video of the him. senator himself. Oh, uh, no, no, no copyrights, I guess. This is him meeting. This is a, a video of a video of David oh, no. Bowie meeting. So, here, what's happening in this? <laughs> Bowie is, is he meeting. Mommy? He's he's meeting one of his heroes, Andy Warhol, and he's he's just imagining that they will create they will collaborate creatively because they're kind of they're kind of uh, kindred spirits in a lot of ways, and he's like, well, I guess uh-huh. I'll just let me dig into I'll my mime. torso. Here's yes. my miming. Oh, and th- there are my guts. Please take the, them. This is us Please collaborating. Take my colon. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Andy Warhol is taking pictures of David Bowie's shoes. You can't see him doing that, but that's what he's doing. Um, kind of not what you were, you know, they say, don't meet your heroes. Okay. <laughs> this yeah. is oh, he just cut off his intestines yeah. and he's closing himself back up. All right. Yeah. He doesn't have intestines. Oh, he pulled out his heart. Okay. We and he doesn't look a, a thing like Beck. Right now, no, not, not at, at all. all. Not at all like Beck. Um, so oh, yeah, this... oh, he's miming more. Because I mean, what are now you? Gonna... He's... What do you? What do you do? Now when, he's like... in a cylinder, not a not a box. Nope. He's in a cylinder. And I guess that he wasn't aware that Americans don't really care for mime. <laughs> so so... Did, maybe they did in 1970. I, I don't, don't think know. they ever did. Let me ask um... my dad. Hey, dad. <laughs> <laughs> were you were you gaga for mimes in 1970 you can kind of see so you can't see because he's out and you can kind of see he's like what do i do <laughs> and oh. but yeah it's just andy warhol's taking pictures well, of his this shoes isn't working. this isn't working well yeah andy warhol is very nonplussed uh he meets lou reed he'll become a character later i don't, oh. I don't play that video love, um, love the reed okay he meets iggy pop love the pop Listen, tell me seriously, I have, I have never seen you perform, but I've read reviews about vomiting on the stage, about sticking pencils in your flesh, about bleeding lips, and about all those things. I want to know the purpose behind that. I, I, uh, the interview with a Canadian person. The purpose or the reason? I vomited, I was ill. I'm not sorry I was ill. Uh, everyone gets ill sometimes, and uh, I was ill one evening, and... As I felt that I was going to vomit anyway, I decided I may as well do it uh, with some style. <laughs> so I Let's did do it, it on stage. <laughs> Actually, the, the Prime Minister of Canada. I've never stuck did. a pencil in my flesh yet. Is that these, right? These come, this, these come mostly from my fingernails. But you do, you do mutilate and scratch yourself, do you? On the stage? These are innocent questions. I have not seen you perform, I've just read a great deal about you. Uh, I don't know who you are <laughs> or why. Uh, why? Because because you see, you see what what sounds to you like a big load of trashy old noise 
is in fact the brilliant music of a genius, myself. <laughs> and that music is so powerful that it's quite beyond my control. And uh, when I'm in the grips of it, I don't feel pleasure and I don't feel pain, either physically or emotionally. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever have you ever felt like that when you just when you just you couldn't feel anything and you didn't want to either, you know, like that? Some critics. You understand what I'm saying, sir? I'm trying. You don't have to call me, sir. <laughs> no, I don't have to. <laughs> no. uh, I forgot your name. <laughs> well, at least I go with the one I was born with. Mm -hmm. But. Um, Oh, that was unnecessary cheap shot. Iggy Pop is a great name for a, for a, a rock star. Thank I you. am trying to understand. Fair enough? I, because I've read critics who say that what you're doing is... A, <laughs> nails a, are dirty. What? <laughs> <laughs> is, nails is are that dirty. what you do on the stage is an attempt to reflect a kind of the young person's anger, outrage, almost no, I have beyond, no, beyond no, 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 words no, no, outrage. No, 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 no. Is that right? No, I have... There's... Uh, what I do on stage has utterly no purpose. There's no, no purpose to it at all, and there's certainly no... Uh... Someone asked me today um, from here what I wish, what I like people to do when I play, and I would enjoy it sometime if everyone would just lay down on the floor and not applaud or pay any attention to me. Do you know what I mean about that at all? Right now they're I lying mean, down on the floor and not you know, paying any I mean, attention listen, to me. <laughs> no, no, you, not you. You people, you know, I mean, I know some of you out there, you've, you've seen how many trashy, fakey, phony, hokey acts get encores. You know, I don't want an encore. Don't give me an encore. Do you know what I mean? Unless, unless you want to. You can do what you want when I play, you know? <laughs> so I'm wondering... <laughs> I didn't necessarily see a connection between these two people for a while until I started to see connections between these two people. Oh, that was when you started to see the connections. Yes. It was when you started to see. The <laughs> exactly. Because aesthetically, they don't seem to be um, a good match. But conceptually, philosophically, I think that they are very, very I can for see that for sure. Yeah. 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 And so going forward, um, we're not going to get philosophical, like it said, um, because we've been doing this for plenty of time. Um, but going forward, I think some, some themes are that some themes have been introduced through Iggy and through basically what Bowie said about Lou Reed was that he was everything that he pictured New York to be. Um, and I don't know how, how much you know about Lou Reed, but he's a complete raging douchebag, but a very talented one. Um, I, I know about the talented douchebag. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> so I, I, you, I feel like so when I listened to that Iggy Pop uh, interview, I had already made some of those connections, but it became very stark to me earlier. Where I was just like, "Oh, holy shit! If you have, 
if you introduce this idea of theatrical self-destruction and creating a character from Bowie plus this discomfort of performance plus all of the other stuff that we've talked about and not really knowing, you know, feeling like giving yourself up for your art is a part of your art, whether correctly or not. Um, we might be able to predict some things that might be happening in the next couple of years. This might be the trailer right there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We can do that separately. But yeah. but yeah, no, that's... Uh... Yeah, I can see it, it's it's that thing where I remember uh, being a teenager and saying, "Oh, but I'm so I'm so beleaguered by my mind." Right. And then it seeing somebody who has taken that to another level. Mhm. And used that anxiety and that angst to create amazing art and music in a way that somewhat mirrors the trends at the time, but also transcends it. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want saying these words makes me sound like a weird music reviewer, but I I I I think where I go with that is, and this is this is in comp, to to complement what you're saying, is it's almost like there's this athletic, it's like an athletic tendency to be like, let's see how far this can go, right? And almost not not even like, but not not intentionally, not to be like, I'm going to be as weird as possible. Just like I'm going to keep following these threads and following this thing, these things that are interesting, and he's he has said in interviews as well, going into situations that feel dangerous to me but barely manageable, and let's let's see what happens, but not really at the same and at the same time, not really taking into account your own well-being, your own right. all of these things, and like. And also, at the same time, when certain things that would be warning signs start to creep up, you could be in this place where it's like, oh, well, that's another thing I'm scared of. I'm going to go further. Or maybe maybe this is the the schizophrenia, so maybe I'll just I, I'll lean into it and yeah. that will be, that, be my art. Right. Or, you know, or maybe that's the escape. Or maybe I, maybe this... Is this is this healing or is this damaging? Yeah, yeah. and like, I don't know. Let's do it. And the person who loves the stuff is watching, watching us where we're at, where where we're at right now is kind of the beginning of a very slow but eventually very quick uh, descent into wonderful music, but absolute madness. Um, and and the person who who loves that stuff in me is at this point going like, okay, yeah, go. There's a pile of coke over there. Just, just do it. Yeah, great. Go, go, go. But then the person who is looking at this from the point of view of like, this person's like 22, 23 years old. He has these issues. He has these, like, you know, I 
I want to. I I I want to say no. Like go take a break. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't need to do this. You don't need to delve into that. Many of us have gone into similar similar veins and then went eh, okay well yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get a job and this the freeze character <laughs> is not he's probably not the kind of person to see okay here's somebody who's on the on the verge or in the middle of self-destruction maybe I should step in no as long as the cash cows you know producing cash you know keep going yeah. Ooh, great fun times let's find out together on our next episode of Bowie's Bowie's Play. Play. <laughs> hey, right. Elton. Yeah, uh, that's it. I don't know how long this episode was. It feels like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, it feels like it was long. Hopefully, listener, it didn't feel long to you. Uh, it, was, uh, it was okay. Uh, ooh, ooh. It's, it's a chunky one. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Well, for some of it, you were upstairs, but this is this is this is a this is a normal length for the other podcasts we do. <laughs> but the sort of thing that we do. So, you you want this level of detail in your podcasting? I <laughs> guarantee you, listener, listener. If you're still with us, thank you. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed it. We have, I, I believe, I I know I have enjoyed doing this. I imagine Eric has enjoyed doing it. Uh, we will be doing Hunky Dory next as the album. Uh, it is not a new dance that we've made up. However, if you want to do the Hunky Dory, you can. Uh, I'm in. So, yeah, instead of stretching this on anymore, Eric, do you have anything to say to these kind people? Uh, send us your videos of you doing the Hunky Dory. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Uh, stop recording. I I got fucked by the devil.